I'm Jim Minns and you're listening to Minimal. My guest this week is novelist Steve Toltz, whose new book, Here Goes Nothing, is available in all good bookstores now. Thank you, Steve Toltz, for joining us on the Minimal Podcast today. It's great to have you. Thanks. Great to be here. Just to uh, preface with, I'm on day three of COVID, so oh, if my if my throat, fellow. you know, if I start having a coughing fit or whatever, that that is the reason. Yeah. Look, I'm sorry to hear that, and thank you so much for agreeing to do the interview under such strenuous circumstances. I know how that feels. Um, yeah, uh, no hopefully, Godspeed to you very very shortly. Um, look, congratulations on the book. It's a fantastic read. Um, audiences can appreciate it uh, in the next couple of days when it's released. Um, the book is entitled here goes nothing it's got a a a very sort of um amazing premise which we're going to discuss further but i just wanted to talk to you about the afterlife to start off with let's go really deep i thought i was yeah yeah, why not i thought i was the only person with such a crazy obsession of the afterlife until i read your book and i realized we probably share that same obsession yeah i mean i think it's a it's a definitely a fun thing to think about and to write about and especially when you think about all the versions you know the of the afterlife that are represented in like books and film and tv um it's crazy how similar they are and how you know it's sort of like um you know we're blessed with this imagination but when it comes to certain certain things we sort of stick to very strict parameters um so it was fun to mess around a little bit with it. Did you find it free? Like, so, so you know, should we don't want to give anything away about the story too much, but the, a large, if not a, a major portion of the work uh, occurs when a character uh, is killed and experiences um, uh, another world and attempts, or that att- attempts are made to sort of make contact with, with our current world. Did you find it sort of freeing to establish an afterlife in your story to be like okay well the stakes have already been reached they can't get any higher where does the story go from here yeah well i mean in in creating the afterlife i guess that was the other thing that i wanted to do with it was um yeah if you look at all the other kind of afterlifes that no matter what has ever been represented we always kind of you kind of know where you are like even when you're in hell you know who's boss you know what the rules are. Like, uh, you know, you kind of get what purgatory is and limbo is and heaven, you know, is a certain thing. So I wanted to explore a world where you don't get the answers and the mysteries compound. And, um, you know, where do you go from death when you die being being a question. And, and however you feel about this afterlife is pretty much... Uh, dependent on how you feel about this life here. So the stakes stakes are as high as ever. It's funny because, you know, uh, when, when, when this character reaches the afterlife uh, and, and there is no purpose served on that person, they, they reach back for their previous life to find a meaning <laughs> to yeah. their existence in the, in, the, in the current circumstances, which is, it's so fascinating to think about. Um, uh, during the writing of this book, the story takes place during a time of a pandemic. Now, I was doing some research post reading the book and found out that you actually started writing it before coronavirus. Is that correct? Yeah, I um, decided upon that kind of branch of the story in like 2019. And so wow. I spent a lot of time 2019 reading about plagues and pandemics and zoonotic diseases. And so it all became... <laughs> 
it was incredibly familiar when you know it started coming across on the news i will say when it came across on you were you like well this is very timely for me or were you just like okay am i responsible <laughs> in some way for doing too much research i mean what's your initial reaction when you're researching something that becomes the forefront of the global focus well i guess my <clears throat> focus was kind of like on a on a personal you know story level which is you know i'm not a writer who loves to do a lot of real world research. I like to um, just use my imagination. And so I had done a lot of research and I was very particular about the kind of language talking about, even though it's not, it's not a lot in the book, but just, you know, a few paragraphs here and there talking about, um, talking about the pandemic and, you know, they were painstaking for me to write. And then I'm watching the news and I'm like, I just could have taken, you know, anything from from any anchor on any channel um, and it oh. would have served just as well. And Which you know, is I'm, what I thought happened. I thought this was your, okay, I'm in lockdown, I'm bored, let's write a book story. But that's not the case at all. No, it's not the case at all. <laughs> so what's your writing process like? You know, I mean, I know that um, you're based in Los Angeles at the moment. You've got a, a, a very active career writing writing for film and TV productions at the moment. What's the writing process like, you know, tackling a novel? This is your third, I believe. Yeah, it's my third. Um, it's sort of the same as it always has been really for me, which is just, um, I write in like two hour blocks. I write by hand. I write in notebooks and wow, I just kind of wow. squeeze as many of those two hour blocks in a day as I can. And, I work from home, you know, like two hours on in bed, two hours on the, at the kitchen table, two hours on the couch, then, you know, go to a cafe, go to the library, go to the beach, wherever. And, um, and then I, I kind of, well, I used to type it all up, which, which was sort of a painstaking process of transcription. But now like the uh, voice activate, the voice recognition software has gotten so good. Right. I can just kind of pace around reading it into into um a, an app on my phone and then i just email that to myself put it on the put it on the computer and um into a word document and then fiddle around with it it's so good are you using those techniques now for your professional work in television and film no that's just that's sort of like a separate thing i mean that's just kind of i mean i i've done a little bit of it but that's it's you know it's just a, a it's sort of unrelated it, it's an unrelated process yeah to, fair enough now tell us about basing yourself in Los Angeles is that you know a tactical decision to sort of be where the action is or does a writer sort of have you know as a writer because the book is set in Australia it's got some very Australian you know terms but I imagine it was written in the United States what's the yeah what's what's the reason behind basing yourself in LA Uh, I mean I've just been fairly nomadic my life so you know I lived in um, Canada for a year I've lived in um in, in, in Spain and in France, um, spent a little bit of time in uh, New York and, you know, just kind of wa- wa- wound up here through um, various circumstances and um, thought I would give uh, writing and TV a go because, you know, it's, I mean, which of course I could also do at home, but, um, you know, as a writer of novels and especially a slow writer of novels, uh, you do need another sort of form of income and, a lot of novelists I know, they teach, um, and I don't feel that's something I am qualified to do because I just, I've never, I didn't really learn writing in a classroom. Sure, yeah. Um, or journalism, but I'm much too slow for journalism. <laughs> um, you know, I, I could never t- 
turn around the story in a day. So, um, yeah, and this was, you know, I, I sort of spent my 20s writing screenplays and, you know, I, I'd made some short films and um, so I was kind of familiar with that world. So, yeah, it was just a good, just something to give a go. I'm just kind of here temporarily. We'll see yeah, how fair long. enough. Just pivoting back to the book. So it's a very dialogue it's like I just wrote this note down in anticipation for our conversation. You know, it's a large canvas of a story. You know, it's a, it deals with an apocalyptic event, uh, particularly towards the end of the story. Um, yet, you know, there are three central characters, and yeah. it's very dialogue driven. Did you always know that you wanted to tell a story around three specific characters? And then these superfluous events were happening around them, or you know, what th- did you paint the, the canvas large first, and then zero in on your characters? Which came first? Uh, definitely the characters. I mean, there's a version. I mean, there's so many versions or so many uh, beginnings to writing a book. Like, it's not sort of just for me anyway. It's not just one. So, like, one version started in like 1999 when wow. I went and saw the movie Magnolia. Mm. And I remember walking out of that movie. You, you, I don't know if you've seen it, and you know it. it jumps, oh yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, it jumps from character <laughs> to character. And I remember walking out of that movie thinking, oh, "I'd be fun to write a story where you jump from character to character, and then one of those characters dies, and then you just keep jumping from character to character, but <laughs> but one of them's in the afterlife, and then you know it sort of goes on like that." Um, and so that you know, and then that idea sort of got buried somewhere in my unconscious for about 19 years and then um when it came time to write this story and i i had this the idea which you know it's um happens very early in the book but basically the beginning where um where somebody sort of knocks on the door of a house and 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 says you know i used to live in this house um i grew up in this house and uh now i you know i would like to come in and 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 maybe die here um and <laughs> you know and I, I just sort of had the idea of an older character coming to to sort of a new like a, a, a fairly newlywed couple um so i just sort of started with those three characters and you know i had no idea when i was writing them that they would end up that that would be the one where they end up in the afterlife but mm. um yeah, it just kind of, it all kind of evolves slowly over time. What I find really funny also in the story is a lot of the scenarios in the afterlife, you know, are about a specific character, as we mentioned at the start of our conversation, trying to gain access to, I guess, for lack of a word, better word, the real world that we're in right now and the methods that in the afterlife that they take to sort of gain access to us through various technologies that are available to them at the time and you know depending on where your financial income is in the afterlife depend it's, it's dependent on how, how how well your apparition appears which i thought was so ingenious but as the story progresses the characters just bat off these apparitions like yeah yeah we know you're there we know these exist you know yeah. <laughs> you, you were just clearly not interested in going down a rabbit hole of you know someone being intrigued with the notion of an afterlife even in the real world, were you? It's just, yes, you exist. We don't have time for you right now. Piss off. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I thought it was a fun idea to explore, something to write, is to um, to treat the supernatural as, um, you know, a technological kind of advance. Sort of, yes. You know, it's like there's that, uh, I think it's Arthur C. Clarke, the um, sci-fi writer, had this quote of like... Um, you know, any sufficiently advanced technology would be indistinguishable from magic. 
Um, and so, yeah, so I thought like, you know, hauntings, ghosts, you know, let's see this through a technological lens. Um, it was so great. It was, and I love how there were competing ghosts and one of them has access to a better technology and, and, yeah. and there's, there's a jealousy amongst their apparitions fighting over who gets the better view from the person who's still alive. I just thought it was so... Well, there's, um, I mean, there was the film, The the Others, but that's kind of a, that was kind oh, of, of a course. trick film. Yeah. But, like, but it's true that, the, that, you know, of all the ghost stories told, not very many of them are told from the perspective of the ghosts. Mm, mm. So it's you, just, that's still a bit of a fertile ground, I think. I think you're right. And, you know, one of the memories that conjured that I got from reading your book was a movie that I'd seen years ago once on television and barely remembered. And it was an Albert, Book, uh, Albert Brooks movie called Defending Your Life. Have you oh, ever yeah. come across that movie at all? Yeah, yeah. I, yes, I definitely know that, that movie well. And... Um, yeah, you know, it's one of those ones where you just sort of like try not to be too influenced by it. Of course. Because it is, you know, it is a, like he, you know, Albert Brooks is great. And yeah, it's Albert Brooks and Meryl Streep. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, that's a great movie. Love it. Uh, do, so when you're writing a story like this, um, do, are there any specific titles that would come up? Because I mean, you know, these are year long, these are couple of years to t- it takes to write a project do things come across you peripherally and you're like no i have to block that out or do you so you don't embrace them like what what's the process and uh, any specific titles that you had to sort of w- make sure you didn't look at sorry do you mean things that are that are too similar or i would say so yes yeah, similar or you're just like if i read this it's going to affect where my story my writing it'll affect where i take my story and i don't want that to influence me i welcome and embrace all influences because in the end I'm the one writing and I can only be me and my writing can only be mine. And so, um, I, yeah, I mean, I consider reading and writing sort of, it's sort of like writing, reading is breathing in and writing is breathing out, you know, inhale, exhale. I, I, I find the two, um, you know, because I write for pleasure in the same way that I read for pleasure, um, and I wouldn't have started writing if I didn't love reading um, as a child. And this it's sort of all tied up. So I um, I love being influenced by different things that I read. I mean, I find that like, you know, I might and I, I and I kind of even do it purposefully sometimes but but it wouldn't but I would never read the same thing the same kind of thing that I'm writing so I might be you know I could read an article on the stock market and I'm writing a you know a scene a like a, a love scene and that article will definitely influence the <laughs> love scene uh, <laughs> just in yeah in different sort of weird ways can you tell me um, what your relationship is to? The, I mean, I know obviously you know you, you love writing as much as you love reading. What's your relationship to the novel now uh, as a as a professional novelist? And the reason I ask is I'm on a bit of a sort of Brett Easton Ellis sort of binge at the moment um, after reading your book, and he seems to have a bit of a, a, a love hate relationship with the modern novel now, having peaked. 20 years ago with his mm. writings especially less than zero he seems that there's less of an emphasis on him now to be able to produce a great american novel or even a great novel now because 
of a sort of diminished status in society. Do you share the same view, or what? What, what do you do? You think the novel, you know, has a bit more life left to it, or what's your relationship to to book to the book as a as a piece of uh, of media? I mean, I feel that. I mean, he certainly obviously will feel diminished because you know he was sure. celebrated as and you know at a at a crazy age of like 20 or so, he was incredibly young yeah um, 19 so every, or something like that yeah 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 everything everything's going to be going to be downhill but um <laughs> he, he he also you know i think he did he was in the mfa like i feel like he was in a he was in a generation of writers you know um in a community and i never met a writer until I had finished my first novel and was on like a book tour. Um, so I don't have that much of a, of a connection to the contemporary novel um, because I was um, in my sort of formative writing, um, learning how to write years, I was kind of reading kind of long dead writers a little bit more. Um, and, I, you know, and I don't... Um, so I'm just sort of vaguely aware of what is out there in terms of, um, you know, the, the contemporary novel or what gets kind of picked up. And I mean, it is true that there does seem to the I guess the market is so dispersed and the culture is so dispersed in the same way that television is like there's it's hard to imagine, you know, even even a Game of Thrones now that something that everybody's watching or everybody's reading because um, there's like, you know, a hundred different places to get it from. Mm. But the novel, I mean, it does, I suppose I would agree with him on this front is that it does increasingly feel like would you doing something a little bit more niche, like, like now we're, now we're writing poetry, you know, what, you know, uh, then, you know, or, or an opera libretto or something mm-hmm. um, because it does, seem to have less import to the culture but i mean i don't really i don't i'm not really phased by it because i would do i would do the same thing you know um whether whether because also it's 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 always like a crapshoot anyway like is anybody going to read your book who knows right right exactly right um I, i i completely yeah I completely agree with that one as well. It's almost like it's like the literary equivalent of um, of uh, of a record uh, producing your your album on a record, or even producing an album. Really, yeah. I should say. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, yes. Exactly. Yeah. So you know, uh, without knowing how long you spent in Los Angeles, the book takes place in Australia and the afterlife, but primarily it's Australia. It's got Australian culture. Is that? Did you feel the need to set it in Australia? Where did that come from? Um, yeah, I mean, I've still spent most of my life in Australia, even though I've been out a bit um, for some years. Yeah, it doesn't. I would, if I guess, I still feel that if I was to write a novel set in, you know, New York when I was living in New York or LA here, I would still feel the need for my characters to be expats, right? Or you know, it's like I there is something. Um, yeah, I enjoy writing Australian characters and setting it in in the Australia that I know, um, or mm. or should I say, my version of Australia, which you know may or may not correspond to reality. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just something that is um, hard to get away from. Like I, I like I would feel weird writing a book 
um, set here. Even in the very street I live in, um, with a with a, with all American characters, it just um, there's something. Unless there was a specific person story I wanted to tell, mm, mm. Um, which would be a different thing. But yeah, is that, no, just, is that like an inform of? Is that because it's like some sort of imposter syndrome, or you know you have to write who you are? You know, like a stranger in a strange land is is how you would sort of view your time. On, I mean, I, f- I, I mean, I certainly feel that anyone can write anything that they want to. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I just don't want to. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it's, again, it's the pleasure principle. Like, I don't think I would, yeah, I just, I have no impulse to write a story about, and it, and it is such a significantly different culture here. Um, it might, you know, sort of seems, uh, you know, on surface level to be, you know, not that much different, but it really mm. is. They're crazy over here. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I mean, like, it's, we've certainly seen... Have you, how long have you been there, living there for? Has it been a number of years or months? What are we talking yeah, about? Yeah, it's, it's a number of years. Sort of yeah, five, so, it's, years so I can imagine it's been quite a roller coaster ride, specifically yeah. the last 24 months. Yeah, exactly. So, Steve, are you, is your um, uh, future writing... Uh, in the your, you know in focus pr- primarily your work in television writing or do you have another novel and I know it's really early to ask you this but but where do you see yourself going next? Yeah, no, definitely writing another novel. I'm already kind of a fair way through uh, another oh, okay. book. Um, yeah, I'm trying to write them quicker, make them shorter. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, yeah, and also like um, you know might be doing some adaptation down the line or um, of one of my books and. Um, yeah, co-wrote a screenplay with someone. Um, so just kind of doing different different bits and bobs. But um, definitely, um, I, I actually, in my mind, I have my next three novels that I want to write. I know mm. what they are. So um, just got to get to work. Absolutely. Now, you just mentioned something. You said trying to make it shorter. Why is that? Tell me why. Um, well, actually, it's just... The stories that I have, for one, like the, the stories that I have seem to be cycling down into a shorter, um, into a shorter space. Like, you know, I always tell, I always use the exact amount of pages it takes to tell that story. But I feel like, you know, I'm not, if I'm not writing another story that takes place over 50 years, um, like I did with my first book, or I think my second book took, took place over, over a couple of decades. Um, you know, this, this, the, the book I'm writing next um, takes place over like a single calendar year and I kind of know what happens. It's like six chapters and a preface and, a, and an epilogue and, and that's what is required to tell this particular story. In addition to that, um, yeah, I just uh, would like to spend less time on them. <laughs> get them over. Look, um, yeah. I, I just wanted to. Uh, I know um, I don't want to uh, drag on too much because I know COVID. I know I know how it feels. But I just nice. had to ask Steve. The book is such a brutal ending. Mm-hmm. Are you done with the story? Well, I mean, there's always. I do like. I mean, you know, yeah, exactly. There's, there's no such thing as an ending, really, because there's always a day after. Um, this, I could certainly consider, um, you know, continuing, but, I, but no, I, I think I'm probably done. 
I think I've probably wow. done Wow. Well, st- but when you wrote that last page, did you know you were, that was the end of the book when you got to that last line? Did you know, did you walk, did you stand up and say, well, that's it? Oh, yeah. I knew exactly where the book was going to end. And, um, okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, it's sort of, you know, I don't, I don't write necessarily in a completely linear fashion. And so, you know, I mean, I, I, that was one where I knew the ending, you know, quite early on. Um, Okay. Okay. Um, and you know, I probably wrote it halfway through the book and then, you know, and then went back and filled in the middle. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, look, as a reader, it was completely unexpected, (laughs) but, 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 satisfying and melancholy and I'm sure everything that you wanted me to feel at that time I definitely felt it um, so. but look no I definitely got, I definitely didn't I had to, I had to ask it, 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 it's it's look it's a shame that you're done with the story but if you go back to it I'll be waiting yeah. so okay yeah st- no look I'll never say never uh, yeah I, I definitely you know it's funny because I always do have ideas for um, you know, I, I have a, another version, you know, a, a, a version where that continues in my mind. It's just whether I, again, want, want to or not. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, you know, for the sake of the characters, God willing. Yeah. Um, Steve Toltz, uh, thank you so much for your time today. really appreciate it. Congratulations on the book. It's available now in all good bookstores. Thank you very much. And you get better. Thanks. Get rested. Thanks, mate. Nice to chat to you. 